uh, start this story experience for all of you. I know that a lot of you have uh, already bought the resource and everything. I know we're anxious because the guys in the sound booth just couldn't wait for that video. Uh, and and uh, we're all anxious about it. The leaders of this church want you to know something as we just think about this. We've been thinking about this for several months. And uh, we want you to know something. We want every person in this congregation, every person associated with New Hope Christian Church to have a meaningful, significant life. We want you to have a life that makes a difference in other people's lives. We want you to have a life that brings joy to other people, that helps them in their troubles. But we know that the only way you can have such a life is for you to know God. For you to have that relationship with God that allows His life to come through your life, to, to fill your life, to flow through you to the people around you. And so it's important that you know God. And the way you know God is to know God's story. And this is so critical to us today. Paul said to Timothy, his young cohort, he said in 1 Timothy 6, he said, the people that I'm concerned about, the people I have a desire to help, I want them to take hold of the life that is truly life. I want them to grab onto life that everybody else has that's really empty and meaningless and doesn't really have any, any counting to it at the end of life. It doesn't have any eternal benefit. I want them to take hold of the life that is truly life. Life with a capital L. Today is a preview to the story because it's important that each of us come to know God's story and especially how we fit into God's story. I wonder this morning, how well do you know this book, the Bible? We were having a little quiz today, and I threw out a bunch of questions. How would you do? Would you be able to know the answers to that? If you somehow were chosen to appear on Jeopardy, and you get in Jeopardy, and you're doing fine in all the categories, and finally at the end there's one category left, and it's the Bible. $200, $400, $600, dollars you can get for the correct question, for the answers that they're going to put on the board. How well would you do? Is that pretty intimidating as a scenario for you? It is for a lot of people. A lot of people are intimidated by this book. They look at the size of it and they think, that's too much. They start reading a little bit of it and they get confused. We had one guy tell me this week, he said, I tried to go through the Bible with you when you were doing through the Bible reading last year. I got to Deuteronomy and I gave up. It was hard. Some of you get to Leviticus, not a lot of fun. <laughs> you get to some of these places and you say, what is that about? There are all kinds of names in the Bible. A lot of Funny names, names we're not familiar with. Methuselah, Jehoshaphat. There's one, Maher Shalal Hashbash. That's the longest name in the Bible, by the way. Can you imagine Maher Shalal Hashbash's mother calling him in for dinner at night? <laughs> Maher Shalal Hashbash, time for dinner. Sounds like she called three kids in, you know, and it's one, one little boy has to come in for dinner. The first chapter of Isaiah, we learn about him, chapter, uh, chapter 8, uh, first verse. There are hundreds of different places in the Bible, places we're not familiar with, places that don't even exist today, but many that do, but their names change. Maybe three times now, it's the same place, but that name doesn't mean anything to anybody on that part of the planet today. And then there's all these stories, hundreds of stories within this book. But I want you to realize something today, that the Bible is not just 66 different books put under the same cover with hundreds of stories that have no unifying theme. No, the Bible is one story. One story, the story of God. 
the story of his love for man, his interactions with mankind. This book called The Story, which is this one, looks kind of like a Bible. You might have a different cover. I think we have two different covers floating around here, same book inside when you get there. This book of the Bible is an abridged uh, version of the Bible. It doesn't have the complete Bible, but what it has in it mostly is scriptures from the Bible, quotations from the scripture. And uh, we're going to look at it in just a minute. It's not the whole Bible, but it is a lot of the Bible, a lot of the story of the Bible, and it's ranged in a way, chronological order, so that you can see from beginning to end what this book is about. There are no verse references like you might have in your Bible with chapters and verses, but if you go to the book, back of this book, you'll find a chart of references that would tell you where every passage is that they've quoted in chapters 1 through 31. And what we want you to see is this book reads more like a novel. You pick it up and you just keep going. You just keep going like you would a novel. And there are different sections. Main sections are regular type, straight type. Those are all quotations from the Bible. And in between those are little transitions, and they're in italicized lettering. For instance, if you pick up one of these right now, go ahead, if you have one, just pick it up. You can look over the shoulder, somebody else that does. Uh, if you don't have the resource, just kind of listen. Uh, here's, here's the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's exactly what you're going to find in Genesis 1.1. You read on through about the creation of the world and then creation of man, Adam and Eve. And then you get to the bottom of page 4, and there's this little italicized part. God had created a beautiful world, filled it with glorious, diverse creatures. Of all his creation, he singled out two humans to build a relationship with Adam and Eve. This is a little transition to, to help us go to the next part, because on the next page we go right back into Scripture, and that's in the straight type again, and we find out about temptation. The serpent enters the scene. We'll be talking about that next week. So this is how it's set up. It reads like a novel, and it helps you to just follow through and see from beginning to end the whole story of God and how you fit into that story. We hope that as you read the story... You will be encouraged, you will be uh, challenged to get into the rest of the book, to find out the rest of the stuff that's in here. But now you've got the big picture. Now you understand where it goes from beginning to end, how it flows. And when you read the other parts now, they'll make more sense to you. There are other resources that have been made available to us in the story. And one thing that's very exciting for us is that there's something for every age. It is br broken out by age groups. So there's this wonderful hardback uh, book for children. These things don't cost near what they would in the store. They're very discounted prices, beautiful pictures, beautiful storyline. Uh, the pages of Scripture are unfolded for your children to read, for you to read to them, ages 2 to 5. This is the preschool book. There's a book for children a little bit older, from 4 to 7 or 8. And uh, this is a, a story. Some of them are going to be able to read some of these words in here, some of these stories. But... You again, as mom or dad or grandma and grandpa, will read these stories. Once again, beautifully done in a hardback book you'll be able to keep for years. And we really encourage all the families to get these. Make sure you're reading them to the kids that go to bed at night. And you keep on doing that for years to come. There's also this uh, paperback one for the older children in elementary school, uh, like from eight or nine years old up through the rest of elementary school. They can read this for themselves. And it is the, the words of Scripture, once again, and some transition in between. There's a version of the story for teenagers, a little bit different cover, a little bit different setup, but really the same words all the way through as the adult version of the story. 
Then there's other companion things uh, that we'll talk about. There's a, an adults participants guide, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute, but we really encourage all the adults to get that because it has added resources that will help you. And a, a various a number of books listed in the cover of that that go along with it if you decide you want to buy those. We're not, we're not uh, providing those all here, but they're all uh, available to us. Right now, we're going to take just a moment. I want you to see this introductory video from Randy Frazee. Randy Frazee is a senior minister at the Oak Hills Church of Christ in, in Texas and one of the ones that helped create this uh, for us, and he has something to say. This is your story. This is your story. This is your story. This is my story. This is my story. This is my story. But most of all, this is the greatest story ever told. This is God's story. This is God's story. This is God's story. I know you're going to enjoy the incredible journey you're about to embark on. The story is brimming over with tales of mystery, intrigue, adventure, of love, heartbreak, and triumph, of power, of struggle, and finally, of redemption. But remember, the Bible is not a hundred ancient, unrelated paintings, but a mural all knitted together to tell the story of God's great love for us and the extent to which He will go to get us back. I know you're really going to enjoy and appreciate this wonderful experience as you fully explore how we all fit into the greatest story ever told, God's story. This is God's story. This is God's story. This is God's story. Story is a great opportunity for all of us to do something together. Now, how many things as a church do we get to do together? From the youngest children that ran out of here, even younger than them, that were already in nursery or in the little lamb's room, uh, right up through, well, the oldest person in this room. We won't point out who that is. Uh, but you know, all these different people, all these different ages, how do we do something together? Well, we can eat together, you know. But we still run all over the place, not really talking with everybody. We could play together. We could maybe find another thing or do that we could do all together. But how many times can we go to the Word of God together and all be on the same page? This just doesn't happen. Most of the time, the kids come home from kids' church, and mom and dad don't have a clue what they were talking about unless they were proactive enough to find that out. Sometimes in the bulletin, sometimes a little clue is given there. But mom and dad have to search that out, and they still don't know exactly what was done. But if they're doing the story together, they know exactly what happened in their kid's event, their kid's lesson that day. And when they're on their way home or during the week as they're looking at it together, we're interacting all the time. Adults have a chance to talk about it with each other. And teens have a chance to talk about it with each other as we go through it together. New Bible readers... Uh, people picking up the Bible first time are going to enjoy a simpler way to grasp and understand God's story for the first time in their life. And even seasoned Bible readers who have gone through the Bible maybe several times, some of you have read the entire Bible eight, nine, or ten times. You're going to see things you didn't see before because you cannot exhaust the treasures that God has put here in His Word, as you've already discovered. So, you will also help the other people as we're learning together, as we're reading together, some for the first time. Now, perhaps the Bible text that best illustrates, best captures God's story in just one place is John 3.16. Many of you know that verse, For God so loved the world 
Let's say this verse together, actually verses 16 and 17 together. So read along with me as you look at the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, God's story is a story of redemption. God's story is a story of salvation. God's story is a story of eternal life for mankind. We're not meant just to live a few years on this earth and then die and it's over. We are eternal beings. We're living in temporary bodies, but we're going to go on once that body is gone. And we're going to live forever. And God wants us to live forever with Him. Within the story, there are two stories. There's an upper story and there's a lower story. The upper story is the the, the spiritual eternal story of God creating the earth and having a plan for mankind and his desire that we would all know him and we would live with him forever. But there's a lower story of what happens on earth. And it's the the day-to-day experiences. It's all the circumstances, all the experiences of man. Many of them not so good. Because early on, man rejects God and man rebels against God. And the lower story looks very different than the upper story. But what the upper story does is it helps explain what's going on down here. Because what's going on down here is confusing and despairing and depressing. But by seeing the upper story, it serves as a lens to understand the lower story. To simplify what I'm saying, I want to read a passage uh, from actually Max Lucado, who writes the foreword to this book. And he says this, Above and around us, God directs a grander saga, written by his hand, orchestrated by his will, unveiled according to his calendar. His upper story details his plan of redemption. He's creating an eternal people for an eternal place. Without the lens of the upper story, the events of of the upper story, the events of the lower story perplex, confuse us. They create moments of confusion in which we feel too old or too small or unqualified or outnumbered. But in the context of the upper story, our lower story moments make sense. For instance, look at young Joseph. Some of you know the story of Joseph in the Egyptian prison. A bright, talented youth wasting away behind bars. Imprisonment makes no sense from the lower story angle. But from the upper story, we see something else. We see God protecting the youth in prison so that he can use him in the palace. Joseph is sentenced today so he can serve God tomorrow and save the children of Israel from famine and extinction. Or take another story, another Joseph. This one enters the story nearly 2,000 years later as a young carpenter in Nazareth. We all know his story, Joseph, Mary, Jesus. A seamy scandal has rocked his world. Mary, his fiancée, is pregnant. Joseph is not the father. Of this he is sure. Of anything else he's not. His life has taken a random turn toward chaos, but we know better, don't we? We know better because we've read the story from the upper level. The baby in Bethlehem's straw has convinced us God was up to something higher, grander, and greater. And Joseph's scandal was actually God's solution. So you see how it works. You get an upper story and you get a lower story, and the upper story serves as a framework or as a context to understanding the lower story. Next week, we're going to be looking at the very first pages of the Bible in Genesis. 
And in the book of Genesis, we see uh, God doing something that, that is remarkable. He is setting up the world. He is uh, beginning the story by creating everything that man knows about. And that, that uh, universe is continually expanding. God is love, and God creates this universe with a crowning point of it named man, mankind. We're at the pinnacle of all that he brings into his existence. And so man and, and woman are created, Adam and Eve, and they reflect God's image. They are made in his image. They are ob- objects of his love, and he hopes that they will love him in return. But they choose to reject him. They choose to reject his love. And the upper story transitions to God's relentless pursuit of man and his desire to restore, to redeem, and bring man back. The lower story describes all the trouble man gets into away from God as we resist him, as we rebel against him, and we wreak havoc on our lives and the lives of the people around us. The upper story never changes from the beginning to the end of the Bible. God's desire, God's plan, God's ultimate accomplishment of that plan. And in between is this lower story that we need the upper story to help us explain and understand. Now, next Sunday, we're going to embark on a journey. We're going to embark on a journey together. We're going to need things like a map and a compass and navigational tools And we're going to ask this book to supply that. We're going to ask the story of God to supply that. As we read through the story, this church-wide adventure will help us discover how our stories fit into God's story. And so our fervent prayer is that everyone, everyone in the sound of my voice and many others, will be able to discover together what God's story is and where they fit into it. That we will choose to participate in the journey, that we will jump on ship, we will be part of it, we will go along for the ride, and we will participate as fully as we can. Now, that's going to require each of us to do four things. First of all, we need to read what's coming up. So you need to have a copy of the story, or you need to have the youth version, or you need to have the children's version. You need to have the youngest children's version, and mom and dad read it for the kids. And you discover each week, from now until next Sunday, what next Sunday's lesson is going to be. We're going to talk about the beginning of life as we know it. And you want to have a little preview of that. You want to be able to understand where we're going with that. So it may take you uh, just a little while to read it. It's usually eight pages, maybe 10 or 12 pages at the most in this book. You could read one or two pages a day and get there by next Sunday if you're not a reader. Or you could sit down probably and read it all at one time because it is is pretty captivating stuff. It, it flows very nicely. But we want you to make that commitment to get the book and to read it by next Sunday. Each week you'll do the same thing. If you have little children, then you pick up the children's book and you read the next section with your young child, preschool child or your elementary school child, and you make sure that they get that story by next Sunday. You could do it at night as they go to bed, as we said already. Secondly, we want you to use this adult's participation guide. And in this participation guide, you will find some tools that will help you understand, process, and apply what you're hearing from God's story. If you have a participant's guide, look at it for just a minute. You'll see contents, which just tells you what the different weeks are going to be. You'll see a word from the authors that kind of explain what I said about the upper story and the lower story, and and you'll see how that fits together. Then there's a section here called The Heart of the Story and Our Story. 
and it will show that the Bible is actually in five different kind of sections, five different stories going on here, five different uh, uh, plans that God is doing. First of all, there's the creation, the setup of everything, God's desire that we would all know him, love him, and live with him forever. But then man's fall and, and the troubles that come from that. And, and that's all in the first part, the story of the Garden of Eden. The second part is the story of the nation of Israel and how God worked through the nation of Israel to show what he was trying to do. And he created this special people and this special group through whom all the nations of the earth could be blessed. And then there's thirdly the story of Jesus and why God entered the story became part of the story and part of the lower story so that he could help us understand the upper story. And then there's the story of the church. As Jesus left and went back to heaven, then he empowered the church and the apostles and, and the preachers of that day, the evangelists, to go out and start churches and tell people about Jesus. And that still continues today. We're still in that part of the story now, the story of the church. And then ultimately at the end will be the story of a new garden where a new heaven, new earth created and we go to live with God for all of eternity. Now, if you go to session one, page 13, if you have that open in your book, you'll see what you really need to do for next week. Just read that page. Read that page and kind of set the stage for the coming week. At the end is a little question, often a question of just kind of you know, prompt your thinking, make you think about what's coming on. If you have time, you can look through some of the other questions. Your teachers will be deciding which of those discussion questions they want to use. They're going to introduce some other things as part of that next week also. But we want you to fully participate in that by using this guide. Thirdly, join in a discussion. This is so important. If you're not part of Bible school right now, if you don't come at 9 o'clock, you come at 10.30 on Sundays, or maybe you just come to Saturday night service or whatever, this is so important that you add this dimension, this extra hour to the schedule, your schedule for the next six months. This is critical. I don't want you to just discount and say, well, I can't get up early, or I've never done that before, so I'm not going to even try it now. Because you would be cutting yourself out of a lot of things that could happen, the impact that this could have in your life, the way that the discussion and then interacting with other people that, that believe as you do, they, they, what that could do for your life. So don't rule that out. I want to encourage you to at least come next week. Come next week at 9 o'clock. We're going to have a little nicer uh, food bar set up here, a continental breakfast of kind of things. We're going to come in here together at 9. We're going to watch a DVD lesson that's about 10 minutes long. That, that will be true every week, a 10-minute intro from Randy Frazee or, or Max Lucado, and they'll, they'll set it up for the lesson for the day. Then we're going to split out into the different classes that we have for the adults. There's four different classes for the teens who will be watching their video down in the youth room. They'll split in their two classes, middle school and high school. And at that point, you go back and you discuss things. You'll have a teacher or a facilitator that will have uh, things ready, and you will enjoy the discussion. You will gain much from that discussion. Nine o'clock is really not that early if you think about it. Some of you say, oh, I sleep in on Sunday. Well, if you slept in till 8, that'd still be two hours longer or three hours longer than you normally sleep. Because I know your schedules. Most of you are up at 4.30 or 5, maybe by 6. Kids going to school, you're out at the bus stop at 6.30. 9 o'clock is still not that early, folks. I want to encourage you to be down here by 9 and be a participant in that. It will make a big, big difference. And we're going to have a continental breakfast for you next week, too. So come on out, see what it's about. 
see what the classes are like. If you need to switch around classes week after week till you find the right fit, that's okay. You know, just, just figure out where you can participate and you can learn. Final thing is this, pray. Pray regularly for God to move. That each of us would draw closer to him through this, because that's his desire. The reason he, he gave the story is so that we could fit into it. He wants us to know him and to love him and to live with him forever. And then encourage each other to do the same thing. Keep encouraging each other to learn God's story. Now, this journey will be an empty journey if it's not powered by prayer. If it's not powered by God himself. It's not my story. It's not your story. Even though they say that on the video. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. You're in it. But this is God's story. And it only gets across if God tells it. If God reveals it. If God helps us discover this story. So we want to pray for him to do that. We want to pray that we be unified as a church, that we help each other, we encourage each other. And if you're uh, this tremendous Bible student and somebody else has never even opened the cover of this book before, you have a responsibility to encourage, to help someone else explore that. And so don't shirk that responsibility. If you are new to this and you're a little bit timid, you're a little bit afraid, a little bit uh, you know, uh, confused by the whole thing, so what? Weren't you that way the first day of school? <laughs> Are you glad you went back? Did you learn anything? Did you grow? Did you mature? That's where we begin. I just want to encourage all of you to be part of that next week. And we're going to take just a moment before we finish our service today to pray because we are totally dependent on God to make this happen. We have bought resources. We have got them in your hands. We have encouraged you. We've tried to prepare our teachers and others to, to be part of that and get you kind of ramped up We've tried to set the stage, but it's all for naught if God doesn't make it happen. So would you pray with me, please? Father, we just want to bow before you in humility, uh, recognizing